a lot of what I do now or what I've done is just me wanting to express how much I'm hurting inside and me calling for help. Hey there, my name is Sean and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives and we almost never talk about it. We certainly don't talk about it enough. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. Of course, to everybody who has joined me here thus far to talk, thank you. And to everybody who listens, also, thank you. I really appreciate it. Check the show notes to learn more and get involved, including our membership. And of course, I know I say this a lot, but if you rate and review Suicide Noted on Apple and I believe Spotify, it helps more people find it. And these conversations are, in large part, to help more people in more places hopefully feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. Finally, we are talking about suicide on this podcast, and we don't hold back, so take that into account before you listen or as you listen, but I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Today, I am talking with Grace. Grace lives in England, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Grace, how are you? I'm good. I mean, um, surviving. Right. You're alive. You're in England? I'm in Manchester right now. Yeah, I'm in England. City fan, United fan, what's the deal there? I don't watch football. All I watch is tennis. So when people are asking me this question, I was like, I only watch it though. I I don't know how to to do tennis. Okay. We connected, you emailed me, and now we're here talking. So what compelled you, Grace, in Manchester, somewhere in Manchester, not a bad name for a book, to uh, reach out to me and this podcast? Curious. I often listen to podcasts to distract myself from my thoughts um, because they're often really loud. I came across like this podcast on Spotify and I was like, this is interesting because Mm. suicide seemed to be like quite a dark topic. And given that this is a really dark topic and it doesn't get banned straight away, I was like, what's in it? I clicked into one of them and then I couldn't stop listening because it's so insightful to see the resilience in like different people to be honest um through their stories and what they've gone through and mm-hmm. i've learned a lot just by listening to their stories and it takes a life to generate all these like real life stories and oh my goodness like it, it's just so fascinating <laughs> that's so interesting to hear i hope we don't get banned it's possible we haven't been banned yet obviously <laughs> Well, cool. I'm glad that you found it. It begs the question, of course, how did you stumble upon a podcast with the word suicide in it? Ha, that's interesting. I do search a lot of like topics around like mental health and um, eating disorders, because that's what I'm going through right now. I tend to find listening to stuff like this, I guess, really, in a sense, calming. It just tells me that I'm not alone in this world and um, I'm not the only one who's suffering from whatever I'm suffering with. It does relate a lot to what I'm going through in my real life. It's just easier to like consume, I guess, because I'm experiencing this in a daily basis. So yeah, I just want to see how people think about it and how people like get out of this rut. When you say experience this, do you mean that you think about ending your life? I do. I am still like really on the side of like passive suicide Mm. I guess a lot of like my thoughts are generated I don't know around the fact that I'm better off but no people are better off without me I'm just wasting world resources so yeah I still have a lot of these thoughts but am I actively suicidal no now I'm looking at your email that you first wrote me and it says I'm a suicide survivor from Hong Kong Manchester for University And I've attempted to take my life three times, hospitalized four times. You're in Manchester for university. What are you studying? 
Um, I'm studying environmental science, um, but I'm taking a year off like this academic year because of how crazy things are. And you were born and raised in Hong Kong? Yeah. And you must have learned English as a child because your English is obviously perfect. Yes. Um, it's actually in the curriculum. Uh, it's mandatory to learn English. Most people don't actually have the proficiency that I have as a kid. I discovered something called YouTube, and <laughs> mostly the feeds are like from America, Britain, somewhere in Europe, and mostly mm. in English. Yeah. And I just binge watch YouTube as a kid, so that's how I got my proficiency and my fluency and、um, the accent and stuff like that. And what's the other language that you you grew up learning? My my mother tongue is、um, Cantonese, Chinese in general. And、yeah. Mandarin, which is what the most of China is using, yeah. You know all of them, yeah. Do you want to do this conversation or have this conversation in Mandarin or Cantonese? I'd would love to do one in Cantonese because it's such a taboo topic,、um, right. suicide. <laughs> I mean, like, I would love to do one in Cantonese, but I hope, like, I I wouldn't be like I've been told off after、Ooh. I made one. But so you you do it in Cantonese, and then someone hears it, and then. Finds you and tells you off, even though you know, yeah. Well, I mean, I I would offer to do it right now with you in, in Cantonese or Mandarin, but there's a problem with that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> there was no YouTube when I was a child to learn these things, so unfortunately, we're sticking to English. Okay, so three times you have attempted. Yeah. One was the first time, as best you can recall, that you first started thinking about taking your own life. So I learned about the concept of death、mm -hmm. at like about age ten. My favorite science teacher. She passed away. She was giving birth to a son, and sadly, she couldn't make it. And it was like a really big hit to me as a kid because I didn't really think death was a concept, or I didn't think death would be somewhere this near to me. Shortly after that, my granddad died. I started, yeah, having to be in funerals. I remember my mom. Taking me into the actual room where my granddad lied. He he lay there. I was like, wow, but he's dead. I can still picture it in my mind of what's happened and like his face and all that. And I was like, oh, actually, that's death. Of course, there is like、uh, a lot of sadness lingering around it. But I didn't think of like taking my own life. That would be the last thing that comes across my mind. Thinking of ending my life could be when I start secondary school, which is kind of middle school, I think. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen years old. Puberty kind of brings you into this young teen emo phase when you kind of think about all stuff in life. I was just thinking of how much resources that I've taken from my parents and how much they've invested in me, and the fact that. I'm not perfect enough, and I'm not as high achieving as I should be, and I'm、mm. not good enough, and stuff like that. I was like, why don't I just die?、Um, of course, I didn't tell anyone because it's obviously a no to a lot of people. And then people were like, well, why are you thinking such things when you could do everything? You have a lot like lying ahead of you, and you were like questioning the purpose of life. And I was like,、um, but I just can't help it. Like that's what. Bombarding my mind for so long, one or two years, but that's a really long period to like a young teen, you know. So, how old are you when you actually try for the first time? I was seventeen.、Right, so you're going through this for a period of time. Do you remember what actually kind of I don't know how to frame this? You know, you go from thinking about it, ideating to trying. It's a pretty big leap. I think there are periods more of like an on and off thing. People are kind of like nice to you and. You're achieving like certain grades, and you'll be like, "Oh, life is actually worth worth living."、Um, I would try harder next time. As long as I had a goal to work towards, to I knew that I have to stay alive somehow. I didn't think of it like twenty four seven, but at the same time, it's at the back of my mind, just lingering around. I guess it's just back when I was fifteen, sixteen ish. I start to, I guess, like the term, go crazy. Because in my secondary school, like the whole thing, so we do secondary school for like six years. We didn't have O levels. We just sit like a big SAT slash A level thing at the end. So everyone has to 
graduate by like 18, 19-ish. We started working or learning stuff about like our big exam, like three years prior. So it's kind of like, I don't know, GCSE age. Nobody in America knows what you're talking about. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when you were 16. <laughs> Point is, is that you were working really hard and there was probably a lot of pressure. Yeah, so there's a lot finish. of pressure. I drove myself crazy to get good grades um, and I starved myself to get the perfect body. And I continue to please people and suppress my own feelings just to make sure that everyone's happy and satisfied and stuff like that. Because, yeah, I'll talk about that later. And then I got good grades and friends, but I still felt like crap. I mean, I didn't feel any like spike of joy or like satisfaction or that yes I could do it I think right well I'm not a therapist but I'm pretty sure most people most of the time if they're always trying to look perfect or be perfect yeah it doesn't work that way yeah maybe if you like get perfect scores and whatever a perfect body means but even then it's not going to be enough usually and it's kind of like unsustainable I guess yeah of course I guess when I was 16, like nothing kind of satisfied me, no matter like how hard I worked. Mm -hmm. So I got severely depressed and I started hearing voices, didn't tell anyone, but I was emotionally really burdened. I, I thought hearing voices was like my fault and I had to deal with it, but I just couldn't help it. Like I just could hear voices and a voice was like telling me to do things that I wouldn't normally do, like cutting myself or like um jump off something and like ending my life and then that kind of got me to a point where i attempted for the first time so during that time you don't tell anybody i didn't really tell anyone about the voice i just told them that i'm super depressed now you're in hong kong yeah it's not that long ago i'm not asking you to speak on behalf of the entire country of course but i'm <laughs> always curious to know how how these things are generally dealt with in places I'm not familiar with. So when you told people, I'm wondering how they dealt with it. And then the second part of that is, did you tell any professionals to maybe get some sort of help? I actually asked for help from like the teachers that I trust. Of course, not my parents, because my parents were like freak out and started like the whole lecturing thing. <sighs> Once things are like not according to their plan, they would start, they would go to extremes to actually get me back on track which that's another story but so I told my teacher that I was so depressed to a point where I cut they were like oh my gosh we do have to tell your parents about that you know and mm. I was like no and then they were like um I don't think that's there's a choice there so um <laughs> anyway my parents know about that and they just grabbed me to a psychologist she diagnosed me with depression which is fair I didn't expect anything out of that. She just diagnosed me and said, oh, you can see, uh, come see me every week, but you have to pay for that. Well, sure. Yeah, sure. And then I was like, mm, all right. Um, I saw her for like a year straight, but I didn't, I wasn't like really honest with her, to be honest. That was what I was going to ask you. I, I, I've had a sense that you didn't, you probably didn't tell her everything, like including the voices. Yeah, I didn't tell her about the voices. So that means promptly yeah. that she couldn't treat you because those voices probably signify something, something. Yeah. So I guess as part of the fact that I'm listening to voices in my head, I refer her as a she because... They're uh, your voices. You do whatever you want with them. Yeah. She told me to keep it a little secret between us and that um, telling anyone else about her presence would actually take her away, which is kind of true and I was lonely at that time and didn't really open up to anyone so she was like my only companion somehow so we had a, a really big like love-hate relationship right there and just to be clear here we're talking about the voices yeah oh I don't think I've heard that very often which always makes me get excited in some fucked up weird way <laughs> I just think it's fascinating so these voices that most people I think would, would would immediately identify as words like bad and dangerous yeah that may have been applicable but for you it was something a little more complicated because that this helped you feel less lonely yeah and and dangerous obviously right because we know that the voices were telling you to not only do the things that would ultimately I think in part lead to you take trying to take your own life yeah but also don't tell anyone else. Yeah. So you don't. Yeah, so I didn't. You didn't. 
And then how long into this process or period of time do you actually try? It's 17 years old, right? I mean, in terms of academics, things kind of got too much. I was applying for university. Um, mm. I was preparing for like the big exam. I couldn't read see all of the stress and the voice and the perfectionism and recipe that. for disaster frankly yeah this is what happened i mean you yeah i just burn out and the voice was telling me to jump off the school building which technically saying it doesn't really work that way because it's only six floors high i don't think it's fatal but anyway Ooh, <laughs> i think people die from six floors it really depends on how you land. So sure, sure. Well, you obviously landed in a way where you're here still. I was stopped. A girl from my class, she chased after me, grabbed me by the back, and then take me to a lift, which miraculously came like just in time. And then she pressed the ground floor, basically. So I couldn't go to the roof. Did she say anything to you? She was like, I'll take you to the general office, which is on the ground floor. And I'll contact your favorite teacher and see what's going on. That's what she said. Were you angry with her? I was. By the time I was really numb, I guess I didn't really talk back. When I kind of think about that now, I, I don't know how to express it. But at the same time, like, she has a really big heart. She is really observant. And she knows what... I, I don't know why she knew how to deal with this, but... At the same time, like it requires a lot of, I guess, quick response and making uh, a lot of decisions like in a split second. I didn't really talk to her afterwards, but I guess that's her. Well, and what happened after at the office? And then they're going to tell your teacher and then do your parents find out? And what happened? Yeah, basically, um, the teacher was really concerned because, yeah, I kind of attempted and stuff. And she contacted my parents. My parents contacted um, the psychologist. And psychologist was like, I think you should send her to the hospital. The way Hong Kong treats suicidal ideation. Oh, I know where this is going, Grace. Is to lock them up. Yeah. Why, why would you do anything other than <laughs> that? Just lock them up. Yeah, and pretend that nothing has happened to this depressed city. The only thing we're going to care about is that we make it virtually impossible for you to kill yourself, which is a legitimate thing to consider, of course. Yeah. But do they do anything else? I'm guessing no, but tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know why, but they just sent me straight away to the psych ward. Don't know why. Didn't know what happened. So I spent like 10 days there. It was the worst 10 days in my life so far. I don't know. I, I guess it's like cultural difference, but in Western terms, that's abuse. We didn't oh, no. I mean, I live here. I'm from here. And I think it's abusive here. We, we weren't tra treated with dignity, to be honest. We were yelled at. We weren't like treated with normal respect. We would be told off if we kind of request anything from um, the medical assistance. Mm -hmm. When I hear that, I think all you're doing by doing those things is increasing the chances of this person trying to end their lives again, which is what you're saying you want to prevent. Yeah. That's just a strange fucked up irony. Okay. 10 days, it sucked. You get out. You shared with me, you have three attempts and four hospital stays. So I know that in this case, I know where it's going. So I can assume, but you'll tell me if I'm wrong, that the next few years are not easy. And of course, you're talking to me. So I got like really traumatized by the first hospitalization, which is fair. I mean, a normal person would get traumatized by a psych ward experience, I guess. So I begged the doctors to let me out, which they did. But only after 10 days, it takes a lot of time to process things. So I have to take time off school because it was a little bit too much for me. I kind of self-studied at home. I, I was taken care of um, by oh, my dad, who right. is amazing. And I was like, okay, so what's next? I mean, I couldn't really process what's happened to me in the past 10 days. I kind of promised uh, my loved ones not to do that again, even though shortly after I kind of break the promise. So yeah, I mean, like I started to get like really suicidal again 
Mm-hmm. That's not because of my voice, because they have changed the meds a bit and the voice kind of disappeared for a moment or so. But I'm still super depressed at that moment. And I didn't know how I survived a month before attempting another uh, again. Did you tell anybody you were thinking about doing it again? I I figured you didn't. Because why would you? Because what's going to happen? They're going to freak out. Yeah, they're going to stop me anyway. Well, they're going to send you to the hospital. Like, what, what, why would you? No, I wouldn't. Glad that your dad was kind of cool about it, though, because from what you said earlier, I was like, hmm, that might be a tricky situation. All right. So not long after you try again, is it also a, a, a rooftop? No, um, this time I overdose okay. on whatever. I mean, flu medicine, wouldn't give details, but that's sure. what I got hand. I still remembered how I kind of masked the whole thing. Basically, my dad was like, oh, can you grab some groceries for me? And I was like, all right. And I grabbed like exactly the things that he needed, behaved like a normal person. Mm-hmm. But before that, I- I've taken everything uh, in the bathroom, I mean. And I went home. I went to the bank just to deposit some money. And nothing went wrong there. But I didn't really think I was like conscious at that point. Somehow, according to my family, I went home and I napped for a really long time, a ridiculously long time, which they were concerned and I wasn't responding to anything. So they had to send me to the hospital again. So that was the second time. How, same hospital? No. Same experience? No. I think because I begged them not to send me to the psych ward because I was like, I, I have some physical things to sort out. So I was in like a normal hospital first before they typically send people to psych ward afterwards, after you're medically stable enough. And I just begged them not to send me to the psych ward afterwards. And luckily back then I was still a kid, I was 17, and that my parents could demand the um, medical professionals just to not send me there. If I'm an adult, that wouldn't be the case. I wouldn't have a choice. You didn't have to go back. Now, did your parents, they found you, right? Sleeping? Yeah. So how did they respond when they're seeing their daughter do it again? They were super upset. They ignored me for like two days straight. <laughs> Interesting tactic. Okay. Are you an only child? No, yeah. I have a twin actually. And she kind of knew but she was busy with her exams. She had an exam on that day, so she couldn't really stop me, but she knew there was a risk because the day before I texted my teacher and I was like, I'm just not good with life. I don't want to live. I just want to get it over with. It wasn't like a note, but it kind of worried her. And then like the teacher just texted my sister to say like, oh, keep an eye on her. Um, I think something's wrong. That happened. And my sister couldn't really stop me. She felt mm. really guilty of not being there um, at that moment. That's something that's out of her control. And as well, like I cried a lot in the hospital. Like I couldn't express how much I've cried in the hospital because I felt so bad to have survived this you really wanted to die yeah and i couldn't see anything except for the big exam to look forward to or to work towards and i really wanted to end my life there at that moment i was like it's just like a really really bad hangover everyone blames you for the stupid stuff that you've done the night before and you were like i had no idea what i did it's just a metaphor of maybe um, someone is intended to get drunk, but at the same time, like they didn't really intend to do anything stupid afterwards, but they did. And everyone was blaming them for getting drunk and doing that. And they were like, that's not cool. I mean, having survived that, I don't know. I, I just felt really dumb. I guess I'm too stupid to die to plan thorough enough plan like why didn't i blah or why didn't i do this in blah so blah is a different method yeah why did you choose to do it the way you did it i didn't really have a solid plan yeah like when where 
how, what, I don't know. Even though like you have the tools around you, it might not be the best time to act, you know what I mean? So Well, I mean, you're also not thinking yeah, really I mean, the best way. I mean, that's yeah. part of this whole thing. You had said earlier something about how your parents or maybe in particular your dad reacted, and I think I took it in a different direction. I don't know if there's something else you wanted to add. You said that they ignored you for a couple of days. Did we miss something there, or, or is that thought complete? Yeah, it's actually thought complete. I know they really love me so that they're mad because they cared. But at the same time, I guess the worst part is it's not even upsetting them. That's not the worst. The worst part is they no longer trust that you would keep yourself safe. You'll be able to keep yourself safe in, I don't know, forever. But I also know that you're talking to me from Manchester, England, and I believe they're not there. They are here. Oh, okay. Is that part of it then? They came there. Yeah. Hmm. Where's your twin? My twin is in another room right now. Oh, you all live there? Yeah. You moved? Yeah. For you, for you and your sister? Yeah. Wow. So you do have your family there? Yeah. And your twin sister? Twin sister or brother? Sister? Sister, yeah. She goes to the same university? Yes. She is doing psychology, yeah. Oh, very interesting. Psychology. So... Those two um, attempts take place in a short period of time, right? When yeah. you're 17, how old are you now? I'm 20. So, and so why'd you smile when you said that? <laughs> so old. I didn't expect myself to make it that far. You said the word old. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm not even, I'm, I'm a teenager. I'm not worried about it. No, it's old for you. I get it. It feels old, especially when you didn't think you were going to make it to 20, right? Yeah. How do you feel about being alive? To be honest, like in an environmental view, it's not good. We have been raising a lot of resources and water and electricity. and One more little grace in Manchester is just a little too much for the world to be able to. Yeah. Is there another uh, lens you could look at that through? I'm just wondering, or is it just the environmental one? I guess it's just another length is actually like being alive. It's like collecting a variety of stamps onto like a book which kind of makes a book unique because you can't like find another collection of like the same series of stamps from different parts of the world I guess to be honest I've thought of the reason to live I've been thinking of about it like for like ages but the quick answer that I could generate to myself is just life is about experiencing everything yeah maybe life is about actually going through life itself and that is irreplaceable that's how you feel right now yeah i guess i just have to take a step at a time baby steps and see what's provided to me or where i'll get at the next moment or in the future or baby steps are better than not moving at all Somehow taking another breath um, makes you nearer to another moment of significance or like another really interesting encounter. Truth. Yeah. Okay. So 17, you had two. And the third one, you were how old? 19. Two years go by and you've started college by now or no? Yeah. I started university in Manchester that gap like I moved countries and started a whole new subject I thought changing the environment would actually help no it didn't the main thing about like what I'm struggling with is how I view myself and how I treat myself doesn't really change with the environment I thought like going to another place being in sort of a quote-unquote more accepting social context would actually help but it didn't. And I got, I, I guess I get really depressed because there's a lot of things that I couldn't control. It adds a lot of trigger points to lead up to like that suicide attempt, which I overdosed again. So I met a guy, long story short, it was a really toxic relationship. A British bloke? British born Chinese, so ish. <laughs> hybrid um he repeatedly sexually assaulted me which mm. i wasn't aware of 
until I got out of the relationship and everything kind of came back. I mean, the trauma, the stuff. Mm. I tried to secretly abuse alcohol, um, which wasn't fun. It caused a lot of um, really bad hangovers. I isolated myself from people in order to drink. I'm not a social drinker. I'm a loner with a bottle of something. Got it. So it, it was kind of isolating and I was struggling a lot with um, the change of medication and stuff like that. I started antipsychotics. Basically, it messed up my appetite, gain weight, triggered a lot of insecurity in terms of body image and stuff. So it's kind of like another storm in another form but it generates the same consequence, which is super suicidal, <laughs> I guess. And you did try? Yeah. Hospitalized? Yeah, I was hospitalized for two days, but that's because they have to make sure that I'm medically stable in order to discharge me. Um, because of the system itself is really overloaded, I guess. They didn't really have space to hospitalize people. <laughs> So they don't hospitalize you because you have suicide ideation or maybe you have attempted. Mm -hmm. They kind of prioritize people who struggle with other mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. So that's fair. <laughs> and that was last year? Yep. How often do you think about it these days? I do think about it once a while. I, I mean, like not as often I, as I used to. Because like right now, I have to be honest, like I'm not in a good like place in terms of mentally. As I mentioned, like I jumped from like, I don't know, I, I binged on alcohol in order to like numb my feelings and forget the trauma as my body couldn't really take it. I mean, I gained a lot of weight because of that. So I kind of needed to stop cold turkey and go sober, which wasn't fun. But I kind of jumped from like addiction to another form of addiction, which is I'm now like really consumed by my eating disorder, which has gone really bad. I haven't been diagnosed yet, so I would just generalize it as like eating disorder. But I think it's heading towards like the anorexia side. I, I guess now what's keeping me going is the fact that I have like the will to, I don't know, the urge to shed the weight so that I get up from bed every morning and stuff like that. So obviously I know it's like in the long term unsustainable, but that was kind of like a slower version of self-sabotage. Mm. I don't know. I'm just finding things that would generate a feeling of satisfaction but doesn't really harm you much. Like I'm trying to find things that make me happy, right. but mm, not yet. I mean, I did try painting. Mm. I'm trying literally everything under the sun in terms of healthy, healthy coping mechanisms, but nothing really worked. Depression kind of kicks your ass and changes your brain chemistry nothing excites you anymore your past hobbies has become the past now you're no longer enjoying it it just sucks nothing kind of excites me right now which sucks but at the same time like I still have to go on and I couldn't risk for the time being upsetting people around me again parents sister yeah parents sister friends wh whoever <laughs> what are the bruises that I see the bruises that you see are scars from um, self-harm. Again, it's a long-term on and off thing. If I can find anything that excites me, I have to deal with stuff, with yeah. the spike of adrenaline. That's how I could deal with extreme like anxiety or like numbness and stuff like that for free, I guess, even though you have to buy the tools, but it's not as expensive as illegal stuff <laughs> so are your is your family home right now they are do they know you're talking to me no <laughs> what do they think you're doing i told them i have a zoom call with someone at church 
I am rarely mistaken for for church going type. I'll tell you that. Are they religious? My mom and my dad are religious. I am. I do engage with church, and like I am a Christian. At the same time, like I do, I do still have my own personal struggles. That is too much to ignore. So, do you talk to your parents or your sister or your friends ever about what you're going through? I do talk to my sister every now and then because as twins, like it's really hard to keep secret from each other. I guess that's a good thing. I do have a few friends who know what I'm going through, but not many people. I don't actually like open up to like the whole world. Be like, "Hey, I have depression. How about you?" So yeah, no, no TikTok videos. I don't really watch TikTok, but they just appears everywhere. We won't see your face on there talking about your stuff. No. All right. So here's my pink and purple pill question. I give you a pill before you sleep. There is no pain. You don't wake up. And people think you died naturally in your sleep. I am. I am eliminating pain, and I am eliminating all the judgment around the act that we can really figure out if you actually want to be alive or not and those are the two things that often keep people from like i don't know do you take the pill at the moment yes we don't know tomorrow but tonight you'd say i'm in yes okay there is no pill by the way yeah i know i know you know does anything actually make you feel better animals oh okay good i'm glad i'm wrong animals 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 i love whatever animal on the planet so you're saying a dog versus sloth it's really hard a dog versus dog is much more interactive than sloths are yeah so dog wins dog trout dog dog (laughs) but what about like dog versus horse I i would still choose for dog because it's easier to control i guess it depends on what dog it is we could start comparing breeds, but that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, now humans are also animals, we believe, right? Most people believe, but we're not including them in that loving mm-hmm. animals of all kinds. <laughs> I still love humans. I still appreciate a lot of humans. Like, I don't know, my friends do warn me because they are kind of worried about like me being taken advantage of because I just kind of have the tendency of appreciating people too much. That's how I get myself into dangerous situations. Yay. Um, yeah, is that what happened with your ex? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I appreciate humans in general and what they do and the life stories on your podcast. And I don't know, I just think I'm a different breed. <laughs> it's just a double standard right there like how I see myself versus like how I view people. I do have a really low standard with people around me. I do give a lot of like unnecessary praises and then people are like, what? I'm just doing my job. But when it comes to myself, I was just like, oh my God, my inner critic was too loud to even, I don't know. Yeah. Is there anybody in the world other than me, your parents and your sister and hospital staff that know about any of your attempts? My therapist, a few friends. Oh, you told them or they found out? Friends in terms of the ones that I met in Hong Kong. So they have to go through the whole thing with me. They are really sweet in terms of how they support me and stuff, even though they're not like professionals. And I know that they sometimes they don't know how to react. But after all this time, they're still there for me. A lot of the times I, I, I don't think I deserve it, but they still stick with me. So I guess that's their choice. What do you miss most about Hong Kong, if anything? The people. What do you like the most about the UK or Manchester? I don't know. How open people are towards stuff. And they are generally like good at sharing stuff. Um, sometimes when, when you kind of start talking with them and then they will share their life stories and stuff, they don't really mind. The British do that. If they feel a sense of connection towards you, they would. What do you dislike the most about where you are now the weather <laughs> yeah it's a tough one i only have one more question and that is the question around myths yeah right myths or misconceptions around these things do you want to share your thoughts on that one of the biggest myth is that 
is all in their head. That's something I struggle with a lot personally, because a lot of what I do now or what I've done is just me wanting to express how how much I'm hurting inside and me calling for help. And sometimes it manifests itself as um, self-harm. It manifests itself as attempting suicide. It manifests itself as addictions, eating disorders and stuff like that, which kind of makes the whole thing more visible. And I guess that's a really big myth around mental illness or mental health in general. It's just if you see someone like with broken leg, you'll be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? What happened? But you can see like people who are generally suffering from mental illnesses or they're like really hurting inside or with a lot of grief because of what they're going through. So when people um, gather the courage to speak, to tell you about how they're really feeling, please take Mm -hmm. it seriously and listen. Or maybe just pause yourself mm-hmm. in order to listen. Sometimes people will be like, oh, you could try running. Oh, you could try drawing or coloring. It's really therapeutic, you know? You could try um, taking a stroll at the park or mm-hmm. playing with a dog. They just come up with a list of things that would generally make people happy, but they don't really, they, they're not really there to listen. That just shuts people off. And people would be like, whoever's struggling would be like, you don't really want me to be honest, don't you? I think they don't, actually. Yeah. When, when in doubt, because people always say, well, I'm not trained, or I don't know how to do that. I would say, step one, just pause. Yeah. Like, you don't need to say anything. They're so used to mm. people doing the kind of thing you just said or other things that aren't helpful. The very act of just not saying anything, and obviously that doesn't mean you're disinterested. Yeah. Will be shocking to people in a good way. Probably. If it were me and you and I shared something and you just sat there and you didn't immediately say anything, I would be like, maybe I'd be like, wow, what the fuck is going on? But more likely yeah. I'd be like, oh, this is interesting. I'm not having to try to squeeze a bunch of things in very quickly or defend myself. Ooh, give it a shot, y'all. Yeah. Be nice. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sometimes I would say maybe as a quote unquote disclaimer, I would say I might not have the perfect solution and I might not be the best listener in the world, but I would try and let's sit down, grab a cup of tea <laughs> or coffee, if you like. I think that's brilliant to sort of, the disclaimer or the way to qualify it. I can't make any promises. I can't yeah. guarantee anything. I, uh, but I, we can have tea if that's what you do in England or coffee or something else. Sure. So are you in school now? I'm taking a gap year. So I'm technically st- still a university student. I'm just interrupting my studies. Yeah. What are you doing with your time day to day? Oh, good question. <laughs> Actually, um, I'm now looking for part-time job just mm-hmm. to keep myself in the routine of being a human (laughs) (laughs) at the same time like I guess now I'm just finding things to do in terms of I guess a lot of routines and stuff are ingrained into me so I have to do those routines and not Mm. feel like I've gone through a day so it kind of includes I don't know getting up journaling going on a walk coming back, having a shower, watch some YouTube, lunch, and then whatever is going on in life, and then dinner, and then stuff like that. I mean, it sounds like I'm living like the perfect what I do in a day thing, and I'm choosing the correct ways to deal with my emotions. Oh my God, another myth here. When someone's making the right choices in life, it doesn't mean that they're feeling okay. A person could be struggling with blah addiction and having blah mental illness but at the same time appear perfectly fine is someone appearing quote-unquote fine in front of you for a short amount of time doesn't mean that they're okay definitely not and that's the sneakiest thing about mental illnesses is that they play hide and seek from people who actually care because when you're suffering from mental illness some part of you will feel like this is wrong. This is not what I'm supposed to feel. 
and mm-hmm. I feel ashamed and embarrassed because I'm weird. If someone hasn't figured out figured out like what's happening with them, I guess they would just tend to hide what they're going through. And that's the sneaky part of whatever mental illness you're going through. It's so hard to find a person who is visibly not okay. If they are visibly not okay, that means something really serious has happened. Going through depression isn't like crying 24-7. It doesn't mean crying 24-7, even though there are days where you would. Anxiety doesn't mean panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And other things that there are so many things that I couldn't really do it freestyle. But you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. I mean, we could rap if you want to, but I'm not very good at that. And neither do I. Do you think if I uh, emailed you, uh, let's say 18 months from now, I don't know why I picked that number. And I said, hey, Grace, doing some conversations with prior guests, some update episodes. Do you think you'll be alive to read that email? Oh, gosh. I think I would. Yeah. I guess it's just my irrational fear of upsetting people, which I get from like since I was a little kid. I'm irrationally fearful of upsetting people. I just can't overcome the fear of upsetting people somehow. All those suicide attempts, they are upsetting and I'm aware of that. But most of the time, like I wasn't really myself. It's either driven by the voice, alcohol, or like a really effed up brain because of alcohol, a brain who's really tired of trauma replaying over and over again inside of it. So it would be things that kind of distract me from who I am in order to make those decisions. Um, Because who I am is super afraid of upsetting people, even though it means feeling crap all the time, even though it means not knowing what's the meaning of life. You might have to go to church for that one. (laughs) There's no meaning. But I wish you luck in finding that search. Yeah, I'm mainly staying alive. What else would you like to share? I do really want to share like why I kind of reached out and why I do really want to do this podcast. Oh my gosh, this is a little bit selfish. But (laughs) one of the reasons that I really want to do this podcast is I really want to make this podcast for my future self Mm. and maybe people around me. If I have the um, confidence to share them the link and actually tell them, yeah, it's me who's doing that. But I really want my future self to look back and see how far I've come. Yeah, I just want to show my future self that I've dealt with shit and I'm still here. Maybe that's Pat on the shoulder. Will your future self, when this episode comes out, tell your future father, mother, and twin sister about it to listen? Or maybe sometime after that? I guess it's sometime after that. What I mean by the future self is when I'm in that place again, which is, I could say, likely that I would go back to the place I was in which I was actively suicidal. If I am, I think I would grab myself, I guess. How could I grab myself? I don't know. I I would force myself to listen through the whole thing. Maybe that's a suicide prevention mechanism. Maybe. It would literally take you, like, look, I have my phone. It's open, right? Yeah. All right, start timing this now. Suicide noted. Go. Scroll down, scroll down, scroll. Oh, there it is. Go. I'm hearing it. Was that 11 (laughs) seconds? 12 seconds? What was that? Yeah. That's how quick you can hear something like that. And in your case, if it's you, you're like, all right, I know I'm episode number like 189, whatever it is. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Now you might have it stored elsewhere. But the fact that you or others can just access it so quickly, I think it's very powerful. Yeah. It's a really powerful tool to actually have this inside the podcast. If anyone can relate to this, I would like to give you a really virtual, big virtual hug if hugs are good for you. (laughs) I think virtual hugs are safe, yes. Yeah, so if you like hugs, um, I would like to give you one because it's been tough, but you're still here. I just want to give you a little goal right here. Make it to tomorrow. If you're planning to do whatever you plan to do to yourself, do it tomorrow. Don't do it now. Do it tomorrow. Tomorrow will always come and you could decide it whether to do it to, uh, or not tomorrow. Even though it's really hard to 
yeah, get through this moment. Maybe the sun is shining outside and you really want to go on a walk. Maybe it's raining. Maybe you just want to stay indoors and like, F it. I don't want to do anything. Just make it till tomorrow. I, I wouldn't guarantee things will be better. Just make it to tomorrow and see what's going next. Thank you for sharing that. It's interesting that you said the sun might come out tomorrow because I swear to you, as you were saying all of that, I was thinking, man, there needs to be some theme music of some kind playing in the background, as you said. <laughs> and then I thought a, a, about a song from a musical that you may not be familiar with because of your age, even though you're, quote, old, from Annie. I'm not going to play that. I only play my intro and outro music. I don't play music on the podcast, but I just thought about that. It's mm. always a day away, isn't it? Yeah. You just quote the lyrics back to me from the song. Wow. <laughs> Getting schooled by a 20-year-old on a 50 or 60-year-old song, whatever it is. All right, Grace in Manchester, originally from Hong Kong. We know for sure you're going to make it till tomorrow and probably many tomorrows. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me. Thanks so much. Yeah. Of course. I hope you have a decent night. Thank you so much, Sean. You're welcome, Grace. Talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah talk to you soon. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Grace in England. Thanks, Grace. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at SuicideNoted. Please check the show notes for all kinds of other things if you'd like to learn more, get involved, and you can rate and review this podcast, Suicide Noted, on Apple and I believe Spotify. It really helps people find it and we want more people to find it. And that is all for episode number 186. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.